Welcome to Orphans No More, a media extension of Justice for Orphans, a ministry dedicated to rally the church for the cause of the fatherless, inspiring, educating, and equipping believers to care for vulnerable children, and supporting those who have heard and heeded the call of James 127. Here's your host, Sandra Flack. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. Well, that is Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. Welcome to Orphans No More, a podcast to encourage educate and equip you to care for children in crisis through adoption, foster care, and kinship care. I am your host, Sandra Flack. Have you put on your full armor today? I cannot get through a day without the Lord, and I especially love that he gives us his armor to wear. Some days I feel like I need it more than others. Kids melt down. Homeschool just doesn't get done. The house is a mess. I'm trying to hold it all together. And then my husband arrives home from work and I realize I never planned or prepared anything for dinner. Thank God my husband does not mind takeout. So I try to be mindful of putting on the belt of truth you know, focusing on what God says is true. I acknowledge that my righteousness is but filthy rags and that it's only the blood of Jesus that makes me right in God's sight. I pray that I'll be able to walk in peace as far as my own words, actions, and reactions are concerned. And I cling to the shield of faith, which I know protects me from the flaming arrows that will certainly come at me all throughout the day. And possibly, probably maybe my favorite piece of armor is the helmet helmet of salvation. It's a reminder that I am a chosen child of God. My identity is in Christ, no matter what is going on around me. And I grasp onto the sword of the spirit, the word of God for dear life, praying God's word and declaring what he says about me and my children. So if you have not put on your armor, I invite you to take a redo, start your day over the right way. Now I have a framed picture of the armor of God verses by my bed as a reminder to not even attempt to start the day without it. Because when I do things unravel at the speed of light, especially parenting children with trauma and FASD. Now, next week, I have an inspiring guest all lined up. Um, In fact, I've been spending the past uh, week or so lining up several inspiring guests to bring to you. But this week, I want to return to our conversation about 
fetal alcohol spectrum disorder uh, and do another one of the FASD 50 facts. Periodically, I share the FASD facts. Um, Sometimes I share one, sometimes I share two. They're kind of all scattered throughout our episodes, Um, but I like to fit them in. Now you can check out all 50 of them if you go to fasd.org slash 50 facts. Now I will put a link to them in the show notes for this episode so that you'll have them. Orphans No More is not a podcast specifically about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, um, but for a list of my favorite FASD-focused podcasts, you can check out the resource page at justicefororphansny.org. We have several um, resources listed from books to um, other websites and, and the podcast. I listen regularly to um, several FASD-focused podcasts because I'm a mom of five adopted kids, two are diagnosed with an FASD, two probably should have been diagnosed, Um, but I've been doing this, folks, for over 20 years, and I know it's imperative for parents, for everyone who encounters our kids on a regular basis to really be FASD informed. It's vital for both professionals and families, um, families involved in child welfare, uh, to have appropriate training on FASD so that we can all better understand the effects of prenatal exposure to alcohol, seek diagnosis as needed, and connect with FASD informed supports and services. Um, This journey is challenging, especially when we don't really know or understand that our child may actually have a brain-based disability. And that's why I talk about it on this show and why Justice for Orphans offers resources. And it's also why I'm in the process of becoming a facilitator of the FACETS model. Uh, FACETS is an organization. It stands for Fetal Alcohol Consulting Education Training Services, F-A-S-C-E-T-S. I'm in the process of um, being trained as a facilitator of the FACETS Neural Behavioral Model, uh, and I will be sharing um, that journey with you as uh, I learn over the next year more and more better ways to serve and support um, individuals and families um, with FASD. And we plan to expand the resources JFO offers in this area. Once I've completed the training, we're going to have some courses, trainings in person and online. Um, I'd like to start a support group for for parents and caregivers. So stay tuned for all of that. That journey is really just beginning. For now, though, let's take a look at FAFASD fact number 38. I'll read the fact to you. Fact 38, many behavioral symptoms of FASD are due to a combination of differing brain functions. For example, explosive rages could be caused by a list of things. Here's the list. Sensory overload, overactive limbic system, think fight or flight, difficulty communicating, age-appropriate developmental differences 
meaning um, like the reaction, um, is it appropriate for the developmental age the child's at or the chronic chronological age? Um, often kids with FASD as well as kids with trauma, um, they're just developmentally uh, at a much younger age than their biological age. So, you know, when you think of a kid who may be 12, but really acts more like a five-year-old or a six-year-old, um, you know, and, and, and we may have a hard time accepting certain behaviors from a 12-year-old because they're big, you know, they're bigger, they, they look relatively normal, right? FASD is an invisible disability. There are facial features that an individual with an FASD can have, but that's the, the facial features are really only found in about 10% um, of the population of those with FASD. So you can't go by what they look like, um, but then we see these behaviors and we think, you know, act your age or whatever the case may be. Um, and, and that can be very frustrating for um, when expectations are set for a 12 year old, um, but the child is more developmentally six, right? Uh, frustration is another one due to being misunderstood or punished for behaviors directly related to a person's disability. I'm going to give some examples from my own family. After I get through the list, there's just two more. Stress response due to inappropriate consequences um, can also trigger um, a, a behavior, explosive behavior. And low blood sugar level mitigated by sugar cravings and a need for more and frequent meals and higher quality of foods. You know, when I think about that, I often think about, you know, that phrase that we've heard on the commercial TV commercials, hangry. We all get a little bit cranky when we're hungry, right? And our kids, um, you know, I think that that is just um, for them it's even more intense and they really can't, you know, our kids may not have, and, and, and some of my kids have had the same situation where they are hungry. They just don't know how to uh, communicate that in an appropriate way. Uh, and it may be because I, I know, you know, some of mine came out of Eastern European orphanages where there was barely any food. Um, they were fed, you know, inadequate amounts and, you know, poor nutritional quality. So they just got used to being hungry. Um, but yet their bodies knew they were hungry. So sometimes some of you know the behaviors that we would sometimes see once I, I actually once I actually read Dr. Karen Purvis's book, The Connected Child, and I learned about offering a snack, a healthy snack and water, you know, all throughout the day in between the meals um, to keep our kids regulated. That really was a game changer for a couple of my kids. And um, the same, you know, this is, it's kind of that same thing when they're not, um, you know, they may be hungry and thirsty, but if they don't have good com communication skills, which was also on the list um, that I just read, uh, that um, not being able, you know, to, to really communicate helps you know, that, that's very frustrating and it can lead to an outburst, especially if they're misunderstood or, you know, we're telling them they have to wait until dinner, whatever the case may be, 
they need, um, you know, they need those snacks and we need to set some accommodations to be able to help them be successful. And in a lot of ways we can reduce, you know, the frequency and the duration um, of meltdowns or outbursts when we're parenting with the brain in mind. Um, now this list that I read, you know, the, I'll, I'll go over it again, super quick without, uh, you know, interjecting any extra stuff, sensory overload, um, overactive, overactive limbic response, uh, system, uh, difficulty communicating, uh, age appropriate developmental differences, um, frustration due to being misunderstood or punished for behaviors directly related to a person's disability, stress response due to inappropriate consequences over time, low blood sugar. Um, now, not an exhaustive list. And, you know, our kids may have one or any combination of these plus other stuff, right? There's other, other behaviors that we might see. Any of these or a combination of any of these also could trigger an explosive outburst or meltdown, you know, which many of us are familiar with, you know, does it sound familiar to you? Are you seeing some of this stuff throughout the day? One of my boys who came home at age five, um, he had trauma for, uh, from being in an orphanage for all five years of his life. And he has FASD, he's diagnosed. He never sat still when he first came home. He was like, remember Taz, the Tasmanian devil from the cartoons? He was just sort of this whirlwind of whirling and spinning. And, you know, he was just this force tearing through the day, right? He was sensory seeking. I didn't even know about sensory processing disorder or, you know, anything to do with, with sensory, well, you know, until we adopted him. And then I, I, you know, got my crash course in it. Right. Um, he, you know, he was sensory seeking. He needed, he was on an all out mission every day to have his senses stimulated. But we, so we were trying to provide the sensory rich environment for him, but we also discovered too much sensory was a bad thing because it would put him into overload. And then he had a really hard time uh, regulating. So we had to find the right balance of sensory. Um, he was also hyper vigilant from trauma as well. Um, so he was always, it seemed he was always in fight or flight mode. And still today at 16, still hyper vigilant, especially when we ride in the car to go anywhere. Um, he also had difficulty communicating. Now in the early days, it was partly, of course, because he was adopted from Eastern Europe. There was a difference in language. Um, but even though he was five, he didn't even have language in his own uh, native language of, he didn't have a vocabulary or, or language skills of your typical five-year-old, even in his own native tongue, right? He was, he was much younger, even in his communication skills, you know, it, for Ukrainian. Um, but so he, he didn't, he didn't know how to communicate appropriately to convey his needs. He never had a voice in the orphanage. That's another thing I learned a lot about through um, the connected child book. When you don't have a voice, you don't learn how to convey your needs. Um, you know, and then also children prenatally exposed to alcohol typically have 
speech challenges. You know, my son is 16 and he still has speech therapy. Like we're still working on some of these things. Um, So from there, frustration and stress are something we deal with a lot too. And it makes sense once you understand FASD. It's very frustrating to be punished for not, I don't know, memorizing your math facts or for forgetting your homework or your coat. Our kids are not lazy or doing these things on purpose. They're not being careless just to drive us crazy, although sometimes it can feel like it. Problems with memory are a huge part of FASD. Just last Sunday, my son went to youth group. Dad dropped him off and was going to run some errands and then pick him back up to come home. But at drop off, my um, my brother-in-law, who was Slava's uncle, told my husband uh, that he would pick up Slava after youth group and bring him home because he had to go back anyways to pick up his own kids. So my husband was like, sure, you know, that sounds good. Wonderful. But no one told Slava about that change in plans or me for that matter, because I would have been on top of it and all over it. Right. But so, you know, Slava didn't know. He actually did pretty well because when, you know, when he, when he realized, oh, my uncle's picking me up with my cousins, uh, all right. And he, you know, he, he did okay with the change, um, you know, came home. Okay. He did. It was the first thing he told me. He said, I did not know uncle Aaron was picking me up. And I said, I know, I'm sorry. I didn't know either. Cause by the time my husband got home from running his errands and came in and he was chatting with me, you know, all of a sudden he was like, Oh, uh, Aaron's bringing him home. And, you know, by that time it was like, he probably had already been picked up. I didn't know. So I couldn't even, I didn't even have time to prepare my son for that change. He did pretty well, except the next day we realized he left his coat at youth group. Now, you know, wasn't that big of a deal really, but he wasn't being careless. Uh, You know, I realized that his brain at pickup time was busy dealing with this new information and adjusting to the change in plans. Remembering the coat wasn't something he could do in those kind of busy moments of transition and pickup. Like the coat was like, it didn't even make it to the list of things his brain was going to be able to do at that moment. You know, no harm done, big deal. It was just a coat. We could go back the next day and get it from church. Uh, But what if when he got home, I punished him uh, for not remembering his coat or I, you know, kind of what if I scolded him and, you know, you always forget your stuff and when are you going to remember? And you never remember anything. I could have, you know, I could have, you know, not realizing I was doing any harm, it would have seemed harmless, but really I would have been belittling my son, criticizing him, uh, nitpicking him, you know, tearing him down for really something he had no control over. His brain was busy adjusting to the new plan. It couldn't focus on remember your coat and whatever else maybe he had to remember in order to, to come home. So, you know, thankfully I'm FASD informed and I parent through the lens of FASD, always considering the brain first. What does my child's brain have to do 
in order to complete an expected task? And can his brain do it? If not, we make accommodations so that they can be successful. Had I known, I could have called ahead of time and I could have let the youth group leader know that there was a change in plans and please let my son know ahead of time that his uncle is going to be picking him up. Um, you know, hopefully giving him enough time to adjust to the change. He may or may not have remembered his coat, right? Um, in this case, the coat, you know, forgetting a coat is pretty harmless, but sometimes it's homework our kids forget, or it's a chore that, you know, we wanted them to do or something, you know, that we seem to have to always be reminding them or telling them a thousand times to remember to do whatever. Um, and it can feel like to us, it can seem like it happens all of the time. So we need to set up supports and accommodations so that our kids can be successful. Things like visual aids. You know, I have a visual aid that I printed out using clip art from the computer, laminated it. And so by our toilet in the bathroom and by the door, before you leave the bathroom, there's a picture of a toilet and it says flush because for some reason that step always gets forgotten by my teenage boys who always, if, you know, I say flush the toilet, I do that a lot when my boys are, when I know somebody's in there <laughs> and I hear them coming out and I didn't hear the flush, I'll just yell in flush and they go back and flush. But even with the visual reminder there, they don't always remember to do it. Um, you know, and it's just kind of something, you know, we work on it, but I'm not going to punish them or ground them for it. Um, you know, and, and there's other, I have other lists of, you know, my son, my one son, um, you know, teenage boys really should wear deodorant and that gets forgotten. And that will get forgotten. Even if I say, put on your deodorant. Now there's a visual list of, you know, getting dressed, your, your shirt, your socks, your pants. Look, there's a list of the things that you got to do. And, you know, there's a little, little picture in that with a stick of deodorant and it says deodorant. So there's a picture and there's a word, not a lot of words, but one word, you know, for each thing. And that is also hung in my son's room. And the same list is in the bathroom because sometimes after a shower, he may get changed or dressed in there. Um, but still, a lot of times the deodorant gets missed. And if, you know, if we're actually going somewhere where, you know, I really want to make sure that he has worn his deodorant, I will not just, I, I won't, I don't chance it. I sort of go into his room, um, you know, ask him what shirt he's going to wear. And once he's picked out his shirt, you know, I'll hand him his stick of deodorant and, you know, sort of supervise the deodorant getting put on. Um, because he'll tell me, yeah, I, I put on deodorant and then I'll know, you know, after a while there was, there was no deodorant happening. Um, but you know, he's got the visual aid, he gets verbal reminders and, you know, still sometimes those things get, um, he just doesn't do them. Um, and we've talked about deodorant and he's just sort of like, I don't, I don't really like wearing deodorant. And we're like, well, you know, really you're a teenager. And from now on, probably for the rest of your life, it's going to be important to wear deodorant every day. So we need to practice this. Um, but you know, those, those are the kinds of things. Um, we want our kids to be successful and we are going to have to help them be able to be successful. So if you are an adoptive parent, 
no matter where your child was born, whether you got them as a newborn baby or they were born in another country or they were born here in the United States, if you adopted them through foster care, maybe you're a foster parent or maybe you're raising a relative, you must become FASD informed and equipped with parenting tools like the FACETS neurobehavioral model. One of the best things you can do right away is get a copy of Diane Melbin's book, Trying Differently Rather Than Harder. That's what the neurobehavioral model is based on. I'll put a link in the show notes to this podcast episode as well. Read that book. It's a, it's a thin book. It's not a long read. Read it, read it again, and you know, use it as a resource for a list of my favorite resources. And Diane's book is on my website as well. Um, Podcast books, websites uh, for trauma and FASD. Just go to justicefororphansny.org and click on the uh, resource page. Scroll down. We're we're, we're in the process of uh, upgrading, updating our website. uh, And we want to kind of make these things easier for you to find. So Um, But if you just click on resources and and scroll around, you'll find it. Um, And stay tuned to this podcast as I'm in the process, like I said, of becoming a facilitator of the FACETS neurobehavioral model. Uh, I want to be a better parent to my own kids, but I also want to help you with yours. So um, that's my goal. I hope you were encouraged today. Uh, Remember to stand firm and armor up for this parenting journey. Um, And hey, I'm grateful that you take the time to listen. I hope you were encouraged. Uh, Remember to stand firm. Like I said, we want you to stand firm, armor up, be successful. This journey is hard. I know how hard this journey is and I wanna be here for you um, and to be a support for you along the way. And uh, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, uh, please subscribe if you haven't already to Orphans No More and let us know. Reach out. You can email me directly. Uh, My email address is sandraflackjfo at gmail.com. You can also reach me through our Justice for Orphans NY.org website. I love hearing feedback from uh, guests who listen to the podcast, I love um, to hear when you, you you know if there's if there's somebody you want me to interview, if you can recommend. Now, this uh, my favorite thing to do is interview fellow foster and adoptive parents, and you know if you know somebody who you feel would make a great guest on this podcast, um, let me know. You know, and I can reach out. This is a, a weekly podcast. I always want to bring you good guests and good content. Um, So, you know, let me know if there's a a topic you want me to cover. If there is a certain person that, you know, I should be interviewing, let me know. I always respond to every email that I get. Um, We want to make sure that we're serving you well. Uh, And also I invite you to check out my family's adoption story in my book, Orphans No More, A Journey Back to the Father. It's available wherever you buy books. Um, If you order it on Amazon, please leave me a review there. If you'd like a signed copy, which includes a special gift bookmark, I will sign it and pop it in the mail to you myself. 
you can go straight to my website, sandraflack.com for that, or you can find it by going through the Justice for Orphans website. At uh, sandraflack.com, you'll also learn more about me. You can read my blog. I blog regularly uh, to uh, you know, folks like me, an adoptive mom, kinship, kinship mom, uh, folks like you who are listening. Uh, so it's another great resource for you. Also, I would love to come to your event uh, and present, speak. Uh, I can speak on several different topics. Um, you know, of course, my favorite is to talk about adoption and caring for children with trauma and FASD, um, but just ministering to uh, moms and caregivers. Um, you know, so whether it be a, a one, you know, one day event or a podcast that you have or listen to, um, you know, I'm always available for interviews, love to do women's retreats, um, conferences and things like that. So reach out to me again, you can find me on um, sandraflack.com or, uh, and, and or justice for orphans ny.org. Now I'd like to give a big shout out to our care portal County sponsors. Justice for Orphans is an implementer of Care Portal in upstate New York. And our county sponsors include Trinuclear Corporation, Bishop Boundary Construction, and the National Bank of Kuksaki. These businesses care about children and families in crisis, crisis, and they help us to do what we do. Um, again, don't forget about the resources on the Justice for Orphans page. Um, we want to make sure that you check that out. Find us on social media. I have a Facebook and Instagram page. Um, just You can search my name, Sandra Flack. Justice for Orphans also has a Facebook and Instagram page. So again, thank you for listening. I hope you found this episode helpful. Stay tuned. Next week, I have... Um, an amazing adoptive foster mama who's going to be a guest on the show. Um, so stay tuned for that. I'm grateful you spent your valuable time with me today, and I am thrilled to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to Orphans No More, for sharing what you've heard and praying for vulnerable children everywhere. We hope you are inspired to walk out James 127 in whatever way God calls you. For more information, visit justicefororphansny.org.